Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. So we are launching a new series on our purpose and the giftings that God gives us. Purpose, passion, and gifting is what we're talking about. So this morning specifically is talking about our purpose in Christ, like who he's made us to be in him and his purposes in our lives. And then over the next three Sundays, which isn't lost on me in light of just our time of worship this morning, over the following three Sundays, so the last three Sundays in November, we're going to slow down and unpack the spiritual gifts. And so I'm just going to walk through each of them and unpack them and share them. And my hope is that we'd all grow in our understanding, yes, but in our openness to God actually doing those things in us and through us, gifting us to have an impact on one another within the body and out into a culture that needs to encounter the love of God. Like what we just had, people need that. And yes, we can say, hey, come to church with me, but we can also go be that out in community. And and the spirit of God wants to do that through us. So that's where we're heading this month. So um, we're going to just be rooted in Psalm 139 this morning. Um, So I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. And then I'm just going to pray one more time after we read it and just invite the Lord to, to kind of take us into this together. So Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. Don, are you having a moment? I, I literally just said, this time clerk, I, hear, I was talking to him about Psalm 139, 13, just particularly 13. He's like, I'm going to go. There you go. All right. Well, this isn't for anybody else, it's for you guys. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for making the word come alive. And so, Lord, you did this, for you formed my inward parts. That word is, it has a literal use, like my essential organs, my kidneys, my heart. But it's used throughout the scripture metaphorically to mean the interior self, my heart, my mind, those things that make me up at my very core that are essential to who I am. Lord, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, For your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Lord, thank you for your loving, caring, thoughtful intentionality that you uniquely made every single one of us. And God, you even know and have numbered our days. 
Or is there, there's aspects of your purpose in our lives that are just, they're precious, they're beautiful, they're unique in us. And yet, Lord, we also live in the midst of a broken world. Many of our days here on this earth are filled with trial, difficulty, struggle. But God, we thank you that in your great purpose for us, you redeem. You redeem, even in the hardest things. God, would you come speak to us a bit on this? Help us to see your great love for us expressed in this passage. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Three points this morning. We were made with a purpose. That purpose is unique. And that purpose is redemptive. We're made with a purpose. That purpose is unique. And that purpose is redemptive. Here we go. Point one, we're made with purpose. I already shared a little bit about the inward parts, verses 13 and 14 again. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully, it means made with awe, respect, reverence. Like you weren't made flippantly. You were made very lovingly and intentionally. And think about that. Like most of the time in scripture, when this word fear shows up, it's, it's really in the context of us fearing him. It's fear of the Lord. It's us having awe and reverence and respect for him. But when God was thinking about each and every one of us uniquely crafting us, he had a sense of awe of how special this moment was because we're image bearers. He placed his fingerprint, his touch on us. That should, that should catch our attention. We were fearfully and wonderfully. That word wonderful, it, it means amazing and wonderful. It also means distinct or unique. We are, we are in an awe-inspiring way, God made us. It was a thoughtful, purposeful, attentive process that involved his care. It involved his care. Now, that's the reality, reality about how God made us. Now, I left out the second half of verse 14 just a second ago because I want you to see it now. So God made us in this very personal, unique, special way. And then the psalmist says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Friends, my question for you this morning is, does your soul know it very well? Have you allowed this reality to sink deep? Have I allowed that? The reality of the unique way that God has made me with with attention and care and love, has that sunk deep? Am I deeply familiar with that? Or is that just something that just, oh yeah, no, I know, God loves everybody. Okay, he made everybody unique. Or do, I, do I understand the depth of his love and his care? Like he, he made us very purposefully and intentionally. And friends, there is, there is so much confusion in our day and age, and I think in all times, but there's so much confusion about like, why am I here? What is my purpose? What do I accomplish in the world? And, and we give each other terrible advice about how to do that. 
And, and part of it is some of it's rooted in some elements of truth. Like, like one of the ways we encourage people to find their purpose is to go out and find it. Go explore. Go on an adventure. Go let that university tell you. Go spend some time looking at other influencers and they'll tell you what is important and what matters. And so we, we go out and we, we look externally to find our purpose. Let me find it maybe even in this good thing. Let me find it in this mission. Hey, I feel called to be a pastor. Let me find my purpose in being a pastor. No. That's an extension of one of God's purposes in my life. But if I just allow myself to be defined as pastor first and foremost, because that's this external thing I've been called to do, I'm missing a much deeper truth. Now, our purposes do touch the world around us. Absolutely, I'm impacted by the environment I've grown up in, by the relationships that I've had, by the education that I get, by experience that I have. So I'm not, I'm not saying that we aren't um, affected by those things. We aren't shaped by them. But we should not primarily receive our purpose in life from external means. Now, a lot of times in our culture, we actually get that. Oh yeah, because we feel pressure from the outside world to be something that we're not supposed to be. And so then we, we teach the exact opposite and we say, let's look internally to discover our purposes. Just look into your heart. Pay attention to your feelings. Let them tell you who you are. And so we look internally and the problem is this person is broken internally. And so we give terrible advice like follow your heart. That's bad advice. In the Garden of Eden before sin came, that'd be pretty good advice. Because <laughs> my heart was set on God and I was without sin, right? Like ultimately, like God's making us new. But right in the here and now in this broken world, the scripture says, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? So what are we doing telling our kids to follow their heart? Hey, follow that lying, deceitful, evil thing that you can't possibly fully understand. But we give that advice. Now, again, when I say that, it seems confusing because it's like, well, wait a minute. You just said I was uniquely made. There is a level at which God has uniquely crafted me. And so there are unique passions that I have and giftings I have in a certain way that I'm wired. And so in the same way that we are formed by external things in our environment, we are also impacted by some unique things about us, just who we are in our essence and core. But again, our purposes do not primarily come from the external and our purpose in life should not primarily come from internal either. Our purpose should come from the eternal. Not external, not internal, eternal. First of all, the person of the eternal God. I find my purpose in the one who is eternal because the one who is eternal has made me with long-term good purposes in mind. 
I should find my purpose from the one who crafted me and made me and has purpose for my life. That's where I discover my purpose. I love these words from Francis of Assisi. This was in our ADJ book, if you're following through that study this year. He says, keep a clear eye toward life's end. Do not forget your purpose and destiny as God's creature. What you are in his sight is what you are, nothing more. And then I would just add, and nothing less. Did you catch that? This is who we are. What you are in his sight is what you are. If you want to know your purpose, you can only find it from him. He is the one who has made us and shaped us and has given us purposes that last eternally. Significance that lasts eternally. And so the true way to find my purpose is to discover it in him. That's it. And so how do I do this? A couple of ways. Point number two, unique purpose. Psalm 139 verse 15 now. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That phrase, intricately woven, it's, it's like um, um, someone who would make a beautiful like tapestry or piece of clothing. Like there's really intentional care about like every little element, every little thread, where it fits, where it goes. Also within that word intricately is the idea of a painter who's mixing or choosing their colors in very specific ways to craft something beautiful. He intricately wove us and made us. And he did it in secret. He knew what he was doing, but none of the rest of us did. And so the way we find our unique purpose in how he crafted us is to go to him and let him take us on that journey. Let's discover our purpose in him. I want to give you a few verses for this. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, some of the ways I've seen this verse kind of taught or interpreted is like, this is a contrast. Like the first half was something wrong and the second half was something right. I'm not necessarily going to argue that that's a bad way to, to teach that. But I actually think we're being given a picture of how this is meant to work together. It's a relational thing. It's a relational thing. Yeah, man plans his ways. Like the heart of man kind of, okay, I think I'm going this way. But the Lord establishes his steps. The idea is that I am meant to be on a discovery, a journey of discovery with him. Led by him. Recognizing he's the one ordering my steps. So this is a journey I go on with the Lord. It has a relational aspect to it. He wants us to to find and discover like our unique purpose. It's found walking in step with him. I love this next verse in Jeremiah 29 because especially because of the context of it. Like this is written to people who are a mess. They've drifted from the Lord. They're not even where they belong. They're in captivity. Things are a mess. But even in the midst of their broken condition, 
God is communicating hope and purpose. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Who knows the plans? God. Israel doesn't know the plans. And in fact, um, they've pursued their own and it's gotten them into a mess. There've been many times in my life where I've read the ups and downs in the Old Testament with Israel. And I feel like I'm sort of like on God's side going like, man, how are y'all doing that again? Really? Again? You blew it again? But then when I'm honest about my own life, I'm like, oh, you're like me. Okay, I get it now. I do this. I'm a mess. But he's with me on the journey and he loves me and he knows his plans and they're good. And so he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. This is so important because he's saying it to them in the midst of difficulty. A mess of their own making and now feeling that distance and even punishment from the Lord. And yet in the middle of that, he's saying, as hard as this is right now, my plans for you are for good. To give you a future and a hope. So then what's the solution? Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know what we need to do with our heart? Not look to it to give us direction, but tell our heart, hey, we're going after him together. Heart, let's set our aim on him because then figuring out what we're here for will take care of itself. Like Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Being in right standing with God, aligned with him, aligning my heart and my life with him. If I set my aim on him, then he will then take all those unique ways that I'm made. Those unique things that I just find are like a passion in my heart or unique gifts or abilities that he's given to me, natural gifts he's given me, skills I've learned along the way, relationships that are in my life, circumstances happening around me. See, both the internal and the external start to cooperate as I'm walking in step with him, as my aim is on him. And so those things he's planted in me internally and those influences in my life externally they begin to fall into place and make sense because I'm walking in step with him. Does this make sense? I'm going through this really quickly this morning, but this is how it works. I don't neglect or ignore what's happening around me or what's happening within me. I just, it follows his leading. I set my aim on him and I let him make sense of it. I let him make sense of it. See, for a while, like in high school and even early college years, I was like trying to kind of figure out like who I am, what am I going to do? And like, we, my mom would say things like, you're going to be a lawyer one day. Like you can get up, you can make an argument. Like she, I remember I would be getting in trouble and she's like, she would get mad at me because it's like, I would win the argument, but she's like, but you're still wrong. (laughs) And so it's like this communication ability that I had, you know, maybe I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to go into business with that. I definitely wasn't thinking I would be a pastor. That's for sure. But like the Lord captured my heart relationally 
and then walking in step with him relationally, things that I didn't understand how they all fit or would work began to fall into place. As my aim was simply upon him, then it was like, oh, oh, he wants to use it that way for that reason, for that purpose. Oh, but it was discovered and formed relationally. That's what Paul's talking about, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He made me with such intentionality. He made you with such intentionality, with such love, with such care. And he wants you to discover that with him, in step with him. Let's learn to cultivate a relationship with our maker and let him open our eyes to the unique ways he wants to use us. Now, the third, the third point has to be made because so much of talking about finding our purpose in life and God giving us direction, like when I think about things like that, I often think of them in a very like kind of a dreamy, fun way. Like, man, then everything will just click and it'll just make sense and it'll just, it'll flow because I found his purpose and look how just all the doors open and it's like, some of the hardest things in my life have been a direct result of his purposes at work. Y'all, it's hard to do this. (laughs) It's hard to do this during the last two years of what's going on in our country. And by the way, I'm not sharing that to get some sort of special sympathy from you because I know you guys, it's hard for you to do that. (laughs) It's hard. And so one of the things we've got to understand about God's purposes is it doesn't mean easy street. Part of God's purposes in our life is, is that he's doing redemptive stuff in the midst of my personal brokenness and the brokenness of the world around me. I really dislike, well, actually, I want to read Psalm 139, 16 first before I go to the next verse. Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. See, his purposes weren't just in how he uniquely made me. He knew all of the different things I was going to face all of my days. And he was up to something even in that difficulty. Now this, this gets confusing for people and it's hard for people because it's like, so God does these evil things to me. He puts me through these hard things. What God makes is good with good purposes and good intentionality. The reality of this world and the freedom that we have is that sin and evil is at work here. And so sometimes the difficulty of my life is a direct result of my own brokenness and mistakes. Sometimes the difficulties in my life are a direct result of the sin and brokenness of other people who have harmed and hurt me along the way. And sometimes the circumstances of this life are simply hard and bad and hurtful because we live in a world that has been marred by sin. And so there's sickness, there's illness, uh, there's natural disasters as a result of the brokenness of this world. And part of the goodness of God 
is that he will intervene into this world that has been made a mess by sin and he will work good purposes in the midst of the difficulty. Guys, we got to get this settled in our heart because there are so many things that will come along the way that the enemy wants to use to rip us off, to rip us off from our connection with the God who loves us and to cause us to think we're, I'm totally off track because how could this be his purpose? Well, that crummy thing isn't necessarily his purpose, but he's going to work in it and use it to do something powerful. This next verse is, is so hard, but it gets right to this significant issue as it relates to purpose in the midst of pain, difficulty, suffering, and evil. In John chapter 9, I want to read verses 1 through 3. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, they even associated this 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 horrible thing that happened to this guy born blind with sin. And in one sense, that's, that's accurate. Like sin has created the brokenness of this world, but look what Jesus points to the, the greater reality in the midst of this evil and brokenness. Jesus answered, it was not this man that sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That, bur- that verse bothers me. I don't like that. <laughs> but God says, I want to do beautiful things in the midst of the brokenness of your life. And there are many ways God has, has highlighted, revealed this to me. One of the primary ways the Lord has done this is through my son, Micah. I know y'all know Micah because if, if for no other reason, you know that loud voice shouting as loud as he possibly can from the front row during worship every Sunday. But like my son Micah has unique challenges in this life. He, has, he was born with Down syndrome. And when my wife and I felt called to adopt him at four years old from Ukraine, we knew he had Down syndrome. What we did not know is that he was gonna have trouble speaking. We didn't know that. But see, besides having Down syndrome, which is incredibly difficult, multiple factors were involved in my son's life that make it to where now he he really doesn't speak. He's got a few basic words and that's about it. He had no early intervention services during the first four years of his life. He had no one trying to get him to talk. Like a quiet kid at an orphanage is a good kid. So no one was encouraging him to talk the way we would encourage our children to talk. So his silence was appreciated. He had no early intervention services. And then at four years old, we brought him to America. And guess what? He's hearing a whole new language and starting over. And so years, it was years for us before we realized, oh, this isn't just setting him back. Like this is a hurdle he may never overcome. And I can tell you, like, it was, it was a, as that became more real to me, it became to be a very deep disappointment. And if I'm just frank with you guys this morning, it made me mad at God. I love my five beautiful daughters. I was pumped to have a boy in the house. And God, now I can't even have like a significant conversation with him. This one son that I have, I don't even know what's going on his mind. He can't express himself like that. If we'd had this conversation like five years ago, I couldn't even have it without tears. 
was a major disappointment. And that's from my selfish end. What about my son? Like, wouldn't he, like, I see his frustration when he wants to communicate at times. But I can say this about my son. While he may not have words to speak, he has a voice. And he has a heart for God. And he pours out his heart to God. He loves him. And he expresses it in ways that frankly convict me. Even while he's looking at me and trying to mimic me and learn from me, I'm going, man, this needs to go the other way around. Buddy, you don't need to be learning from me and mimicking me. I need to learn from you. See, even in this brokenness in his life, God is using it for his purposes. Micah has discovered God's love for him and he loves God back. And my son touches lives. The amount of conversations I've had with some of you in this room about ways the Lord has used him to touch your life. See, we see that in Micah and it might bring a smile to our face when we recognize that. But when we're facing our own difficulty and challenge, that don't make me smile. And I'm ready to be past that, beyond that, through this hard moment. But God's going, you have no idea the beautiful things I am up to, even in the midst of your own struggle, your own difficulty, your own hangups, some of the things that have been hardest for you. God is working his purposes in them. And it's going to have impact in your life personally. And it's going to have impact in your life externally to others. I want to close with this quote by Dave Beering. God's hand was in the complete formation of our being and its legacy, even to the extent of redeeming the ugly effects of sin in our lives. God is up to something good. He has good purposes for you and for me. It's hard to see sometimes because we are encouraged by this world to look in all the wrong places, to look for it externally, to try to mine it up and discover it internally, or to just be ripped off by how hard life is. But God's saying, I crafted you with thoughtful and intentional care. And I've uniquely woven you in beautiful, colorful ways. And I want you to be, to come to me, to walk with me and let me help you see those. And I want you to trust me with the brokenness in your own life. And even if you don't understand for a very, very long time, I'm doing something redemptive and good in your life. I love you. I care about you. And I'm up to good stuff because I know my plans for you. And they are a hopeful future and an eternal destiny. Amen? It wasn't quite 20 minutes, but it was about 30. All right. All right. I can't be completely, you know, I can't just, I, I can't be that fast in my sermons, but we trimmed about 10 minutes off. All right. Well, let's, let's pray. Thank you guys just for this morning, man. This was sweet together. Our time of worship was sweet. Being in the word is sweet. 
Lord, thank you for your love for us. God, thank you for just even, even showing that to us. Lord, as we gather to express our worship to you, thank you that you just reversed it this morning and said, no, 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 I'm here to pour out my love on you. Thank you for that. We receive it from you. And God, I just, I pray this, Lord, that our souls would know it very well because your works are wonderful. Thank you for your thoughts towards us that are vast and many, that you love us greatly, that you made us uniquely. May we continue more and more each day to find our purpose in you and watch what you do in us and through us as a result. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.